welcome to the Make It In Design podcast. I'm Beth Kempton, co-founder of makeitindesign.com, which is home to one of the longest running online design schools in the world. We help creatives from across the globe to thrive in the design industry. Together with my co-founder, Rachel Taylor, an award-winning design veteran, and our wonderful team, we love nothing more than to inspire creative people to follow their dreams, grow sustainable design businesses, and do what they love. We've created this podcast to bring you interviews with designers who have made many bold moves and followed their hearts in order to thrive as creative professionals. Many of them have learned life lessons the hard way, and they all share their career highs and lows, wins and challenges, and their top tips for success. These conversations are gold, and you don't want to miss a single episode. So subscribe now, get yourself a lovely cuppa, and settle in for an inspiring chat. You can find out more about our much-loved online design courses and private design community, The Live Hub, at makeitindesign.com or come and find us on Instagram at makeitindesign. And so, to today's conversation. Hi there, everyone. I'm Rachel, co-founder of Make It In Design, and I'm so excited for today's conversation with the fabulous Winnie Dannenberger. She is the Senior Vice President and Publishing Director for Quarto Publishing over in America. Now, Winnie has been working for Quarto since 1993, which is amazing, and she's had so many roles within her career. She's been the North American Marketing and Sales Manager for Rockport Publishers, who's a global division and an imprint based in Rockport, Massachusetts. And as Quarto Publishing Group in the USA grew, her role evolved and she recently became the group publisher for a diverse list of imprint published books out of Beverly, Massachusetts also. So she does so many things from kind of Quarry Books, Fairwinds Press, Cool Springs Press, Harvard Common Press. So she really is a busy and very talented lady. She has a focus on category-driven um, books, along with things such as art, craft, cookery, gardening, mind, body, and spirit. They really do cover many things. And she's also responsible for generating a list of 175 new illustrated titles a year. I, I, I remember reading that and thinking, wow, that's, that's really impressive, Winnie. And I know a lot of our listeners from our community are big fans of all of the Quarto books. You guys have, you know, great publications. So I know we're going to be in for a real treat today. So thank you so much for joining us, Winnie, and being our guest on the podcast. It's really it's nice to be here. Thank you. And what's lovely for me today is I'm working with um, Corso and the team on a really exciting project. So it's just a lovely thing, I think, to get to chat to you today. And I can ask you lots of questions that I'm also curious about. Um, so, yeah, thank you. So I wanted to dive in with that you've worked on so many different things. You've had a lot of various roles. Obviously, I just mentioned you've been working for Corso since 1993. Could you tell us about your journey? What did you study? You know, how did you come to do all of these things? You know, you're now senior vice president. Where did it all begin? I know I, I say that 28 years and I feel like I'm a little bit crazy. Um, that seems a little cuckoo to be at the same company <laughs> these days for 28 years. But Cordo, you know, has given me a ton of opportunities. So it always feels different. Um you know, year in and year out, the company's evolved and changed from when I started pretty dramatically. So it's just always feels new um, and and really exciting. Um, I um, I actually started um, in publishing as an intern, which I recommend to anybody. I mean, internships were a little bit different back then in that 
now I think there's a lot of, um, of, of uh, thought around it that interns need to be paid and interns can't just, you know, work for free. Back then it was a little more loosey goosey. So I actually got out of college and worked for a magazine for about a year and realized I really didn't want to work in magazine publishing. So I quit my job, got a job at a bookstore and took a unpaid internship at a publisher in Boston, um, a publisher called David Godine Publishing, which He's a pretty small publisher, but well-known um, from a personality perspective in the in the U.S. publishing world or globally. Um, and um, they eventually hired me, which was great. So the internship experience is, is fantastic. I recommend it to anybody who wants to start in, in any career, but in specifically publishing. And Cordo now has a great um, internship program. We actually just launched a um, diversity internship program this um last year um, in the spring or in the fall, actually, it's been a little bit of a challenge because of COVID, um, but it's been a great experience for the interns and for the staff um, staff at Cordo. So that's been a lot of fun. But anyway, I went from there to working for Cordo. I moved to Cordo, uh, actually Rockport Publishers um, from David Godine in 1993. Um, Rockport was really small at that point. Um, and I started in marketing and sales, um, which I also recommend for people who would like to get into the publishing business. It's a great way to learn about the industry. Um, and Rockport was so small that eventually I just started um, trying to um, uh, influence the product we created. So I would have the right things to sell um, and eventually moved up through the creative department and then into publishing over the years. So. That's sort of my journey. Um, over over time, Cordo grew, and they just kept giving me more responsibility for different business units. Um, and so I've always been able to have new experiences, new product lines. Um, you know, the growth at Cordo has been really significant over the past twenty years, and um, and um, it's a really global company, which has been fantastic because I have friends internationally around the world, and we work really closely with our global partners. Um, so there are a lot of things that just keep it really interesting and exciting. So I haven't really found, uh, you know, any desire to go anywhere else. Um, and I've had opportunities, but really made some choices to stay at Cordo, which have been because it's been a very rewarding experience for me. It's amazing. I mean, you've done so many things and Quarto, as you said, it is a big global company and there's lots of divisions. And I think it's a testament to Quarto that, You've been with them so long and you know my experience so far has been really great also and I just think it's it's mind-blowing all of the things that you do and I love the fact that you touched on and um, being an intern and internships I know I did a little of that when I was starting out in my career and it really did help me and help me understand different areas within the business as well so I think yeah that, that's a great tip so Obviously, you guys do a lot of creative books and you cover a lot of topics. Have you always had an interest in kind of creativity and, you know, what drives you creatively? Where's your background um, with that as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if someone asked me, are you a creative person? I would say probably not, which is really interesting. I, I you know, I've always focused a bit more on the on the um, business end of what um, my, my jobs have always been a little bit more business oriented. That being said, um, I think people might tell me that I'm wrong about that. I do have um, I do have some 
obviously interesting in creativity and art. I'm not necessarily, I don't have a lot of creative hobbies outside of, you know, working in my yard and, and growing my vegetables, but, um, but I appreciate it. And one of the things that's really amazing about working with creative people and um, internally and our authors and designers and the, you know, people that we work with to make the books um, is the, that, that you're, work, you're creating a product that is not only very beautiful and inspirational, but it's, you know, something in this world right now that's actually long lasting. I mean, one of the things that's so gratifying about working on books um, with creative people is that there are things that people want to keep for a long time. I mean, they're, they want to invest in them because it's something that is tangible and um, that they identify with and that helps them, um, you know, uh, feed their own identity. Um, you know, the books someone has in their house and the things that they read and the things that inspire them, you know, show everybody else around them who they are. And I think that's really important about books in today's world. Um, I mean, there are obviously podcasts, we're doing one and there are lots of things online and, you know, Ted talks and, and Instagram and everything else, but a book is really, you know, something that's pretty long lasting and tangible and, um, you know, give something, someone that, that they can, they can connect with physically, which I think is really important right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I'm a fan of, you know, the digital format and obviously e-courses and podcasts, but for me, nothing beats a physical book, you know, having a book in your hand, like I, I love books on display. I, I do it as part of like, interior projects of styling you know just even having gorgeous books on display having them around me on my desk if I'm feeling a little bit lost sometimes I open up a page and and, and see where it takes me I, I love physical printed books I just don't think there's ever anything that can kind of replace that really so obviously you've done so many things and you've probably had to make a lot of big decisions in your career I know you said obviously you've been with Quarter a long time and you've been really happy to stay with them as they're a fabulous company what would you say have been the kind of key turning points in your career that's kind of took you on that next big step? And obviously you have so much responsibility. Can you highlight any of those moments? Um, well, because I've been with the same company for a while, that, I mean, I've just been given a lot of opportunities. So I can't say I've made a ton of, you know, big turning point decisions. I, I would say, you know, quitting my job to do an internship was sort of <laughs> probably the big turning point in moving me into the book publishing industry. Um, you know, I think I have had a few job offers throughout the, the almost 30 years that I've worked at Cordo. And I think, you know, making the decision to stay at Cordo and invest my career and my um, time at Cordo have been really the, the things that have um, been the turning points in my career. So it was more of choices to stay where I am and, um, you know, embrace um what Cordo can be and what we do at Cordo versus trying to move to other places. You know, in some days, I'll admit, I sort of look at my career and think, well, maybe that's a regret that I didn't have more experiences at different places um, to bring sort of a, a, you know, broader perspective to what I do. Because um, I'm definitely, you know, I, I know what Cordo is, and I know what we do. Um, and sometimes, I think it might help me in, in how I approach things to have uh, experience, have had experiences at other places. But then again, you know, I haven't ever really felt like I needed to move around a lot to be successful and um, and fulfilled in what I do. So 
I mean, I think Quarter obviously seems to grow. You guys have grown. You always have brilliant titles. So you must be doing something right. And it's good that you you stuck it out and, and stayed. Another thing I wanted to ask you was, obviously, you know, you, you have got such a, um, a diverse, um, many diverse roles within your career at Quarto. If you were kind of looking back at your younger self, is there any advice that you give to yourself? Are you someone who's quite tough on yourself? Or, you know, is there something you'd say to you starting out? Um, I'm actually not that tough on myself. I'm actually pretty easygoing, which I think is, is, um, is what a lot of people would tell you about me. I'm very, I'm sort of demanding and that I like things to be the way I want them to be, but I'm also pretty, you know, I think, I think if I looked back, as I said before, you know, I might have tried some different things in my life, um, gone to, you know, maybe, tried some different, um, you know, worked in some different fields or tried some different things rather than being sort of at Cordo for pretty much my whole career. Um, but maybe moved to some different places. I've always lived in the New England area. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think those might be some of the things I would tell my younger self to try some things before I'm very much a very focused person. So I think, you know, I, I, um, I commit to something and I, and I, and I'm, that's what I'm, I'm going to do until I do it right. Um, and I think maybe I might tell myself to be a little bit looser with my focus on, you know, moving forward and, and being as committed to one thing. Um, and just to give myself a little bit more experience, but then again, I'm very happy and very fulfilled with what I'm doing. So I'm not sure I have all that many regrets or things that I would tell myself my younger person I think I've done most things the way that I've wanted to do them so that's good and it seems like you've got a really exciting career which which is amazing so in the introduction I touched on you know the different topics that you guys focus on within your books can you explain that a little bit more you know the different subjects that you have and are some more popular than others and I'd love to know a little bit more about that Sure. Um, so as I said, we're a pretty global company. We have offices in the, we have our, our main offices actually are in the UK and our main US offices are in um, Beverly, right outside of Boston um, and New York. Um, and we publish, Cordo's, Cordo's basic mission is do we do illustrated nonfiction. So, um, you know, everything we do is um, the, uh, we publish everything, I would say pretty much every, in every subject category. Um, and, um, I would say we, except for fiction and poetry, but then again, we do publish classics, um, in very, but in, we approach them in a way which creates a very beautiful package. So it's not just sort of a paperback copy of Jane Austen. You know, we do sort of slipcased, beautiful versions of classics. So when I say we don't publish fiction, we actually do, but um, not from the perspective of a fiction publisher. Um, but any other than that, we publish in every category. We have a pretty large kids list, which is mainly driven out of the UK, um, the UK offices, UK publishers. Um, and we do everything. Art and craft is a really big category for us um, globally. Um, we publish cookbooks, which is also a really big category for us globally. Um, as I said, Mind, Body, Spirit has had a huge resurgence right now from, I mean, I think there was a lot of publishing in that category, um, you know, in the 60s and 70s um, with some of the traditional Mind, Body, Spirit publishers. But there are a lot of more um, trade publishers getting into those categories, like witchcraft has become like a symbol of feminism now. And, you know, tarot card reading, I think all the uncertainty in the world has made people turn to these sort of slightly less 
you know, Western or, or, um, or, uh, you know, fact-based, um, decision-making paths. So people are much more into sort of holistic things and, and leading their life in a way, which is more, um, spiritual, I think, um, not in a Christian sense, but more in a, like, uh, uh, mind, body, spirit, holistic sense. So that category has been a really big growth category for us across the group. Um, we also publish, um, in, uh, in, um, hobbies. We do, we do really well with things like beekeeping and, um, metal smithing and blacksmithing. And we have a pretty big gardening list, which has really grown over the past year, mainly because people are home, you know, working in their yards and doing, doing things outside and not able to really go on vacation. So gardening has really, really blossomed in the past two years. Um, and we'll continue to grow. I think even post pandemic, um, we have a great, um, editorial director who we brought in a couple of years ago, who has done some amazing stuff with our gardening program. Um, we do home improvement books. We have a very um, solid and uh, transportation list with a really long history with an imprint called Motor Books, which has been around since the 60s and focuses on, you know, it's really focused on books for car enthusiasts, which is which is a pretty um, solid category. So it's all over the map. We do self-help. We do um, pretty much any kind of nonfiction um either how-to book or enthusiast book that you could subject you could name. It's amazing. You do so many different broad topics and obviously there's a lot of opportunities, you know, if you want to be published by Quarto, which is great. And yeah. um, one thing I wanted to ask was what would you say makes a great creative book? I know a lot of your books are obviously very beautiful and visual heavy. Um, yeah, what would you say is the kind of fundamentals of, of making a, you know, an amazing creative book? Um, I think for creative books, it's really about um, a author who has a voice. I mean, we're really looking to um, to find authors who have a very distinct voice and a distinct um, sort of message that they're trying to offer. Um, I think it has to be beautiful um, and, you know, it has to be something that it has a great design and has really unique content. Um, as I said, as we said before, there's a ton of competition for creative content now with, you know, online content, podcasts, YouTube. I mean, people are learning to do things everywhere now in a lot of different ways. Um, so, you know, for a book to compete um, or be part of that, that, um, arsenal of sort of instructional material, um, you know, the author's voice is really, is really important. And, you know, having an author who has a, who can curate their message in a way that can't be replicated by online content is really important. And I think that's what really makes people want a book. I mean, they obviously, um, you know, a book requires interaction that sometimes a podcast or, you know, uh, online community doesn't require. I mean, you can like an Instagram image, but to actually engage with a book um, is, is something that an experience that you can't really replicate with online content. So for an author to really um, create a, a great creative book, they, you want their message and their voice to be um, about the reader and really interactive with the reader. And I think that's really what makes a creative, a, a creative book strong is the way it looks combined with this sort of unique messaging and authentic voice from the author. 
That's really great advice. I know a lot, of, a lot of our listeners will love that. And another thing I wanted to ask you is, obviously, the, the books that are great, that people love, but what is the difference between a best-selling book and a great book? I know a best-selling, from my understanding, is very much on, you know, so much on my pre-order and figures and things like that. And I know there's different platforms that say this is the whichever best-selling book. Can you explain how all of that works? Um, well, I think they're, I mean, I like to think all of our books are great books. So great books are, you know, can be a great book in a category with a much more niche audience. Um, you know, I think, you know, there, there are tons of great books out there and they have, um, an audience. Um, and, but I think a bestseller, the difference between a great book and a bestseller is a bestseller really transcends all audiences and sales channels. So when we have a bestseller, you know, we may have a great book that sells really well into the art and craft community, but when we have a bestseller, it really reaches a much broader audience. So, um, you know, that would mean that it's selling not only in the specialty art and craft market, but it's selling in the book trade. It's selling really well online. It's selling really well globally in other countries. It sells in foreign language translations, which we do a fair number of. So it really just transcends all sales channels and also um, speaks to a broader customer base than its like intended main customer base. And I think you know, there, there are examples of that. And some of that is, you know, um, timing related in terms of what is trending in the market. I mean, if you think about the sort of adult coloring book trend of a couple of years ago, you know, those coloring books, which at, at a normal time in life would have just sold into, you know, the art and craft stores and into, you know, airport stores or whatever, but they became bestsellers because the whole world, for some reason, decided they were going to, you know, um, find therapy through, through coloring. And so some of, some of the best, some of bestsellerness has to do with what's happening in the world. Um, some of it has to do with what, what the author's message is and what, um, and, you know, whether it reaches a broader audience than their very specific, um, sort of insular community that they've already built. That's really great information. I find all of that mind blowing. So that's really useful and um, for me and, and, and our audience as well. So obviously you guys um, commission new authors a lot. You're looking for new titles. I know I mentioned before about the 175 titles that you have um, yearly. What do you look for when you're commissioning authors? Like, do you go out searching people? Do you have people come to you? What is it that makes you take people on? Um, I think, you know, sort of repeating what I said before, it's really looking for someone with a very distinct voice. I mean, obviously having a, a, a very active um, community that is engaged is really important for us. So yes, the size of someone's social media platform um, and how they reach their audience um, successfully is something we look for all the time now. Um, it really does help help drive sales um, and, you know, helps people look for the book when it's out there, if they can really engage their audience. But sometimes, you know, someone can have a huge social media platform, but not have a very engaged audience. So you really have to have to um, sort of have a way to sort of dissect whether that's going to happen. A lot of times we have people with fairly modest social media platforms who have such an engaged following that they can just, you know, really reach their audience and that that audience talks to another audience so it, sometimes it's not necessarily the size but really the engagement and the commitment of their 
their community to what they're doing. Um, so that's something that we look for. You know, we look for obviously opportunities that are results of trends or sort of current market, current events, um, and pairing those with an author who has a distinct message and a voice really is something we're trying to find all the time. Um, and um, you know, I think I think um, trying to find someone who has a unique way of telling us what they're doing, how they're doing what they're doing, is really important. Um, you know. It, it sort of is a combination of a lot of those things. Um, but yeah, the author's platform, that they have a creative and authentic voice and that they're very committed to, um, you know, reaching their audience with sort of their whole quiver of, um, of tools, which would be, you know, the book, their platforms, their, uh, their teaching, you know, a lot of our creatives do, you know, actually have a very successful way to reach a community because they teach a ton of classes. I mean, um, you know, in the US and I think internationally too, there's a whole group of Skillshare classes where, you know, some of the authors have really amazing attendance and people signing up to, to learn from them. And that's a real um, sort of flag for us that what they're saying is really, um, you know, that the audience is really responding to what they're saying and, and they're in demand, so. That's so useful to know. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on, so we talked about social media, you know, how you look at authors and commission people. Obviously, the industry and the print industry is, you know, changing with social media and, you know, the way we access, access things online, e-courses, podcasts. How have you found, um, how have you found even social media has been for you as a business as growing Corto? Has it really helped you often send, say, books to influencers? How do you use social media for your your growth, you know, as a, as a company? Yeah, it's a little bit challenging. I mean, we're because we're a publisher, there are very, to be honest, there are very few publishers who have a brand recognition with the consumer. I mean, I think authors have a much stronger brand recognition than our publishers does. I mean, in reality, what a person buying a book really is looking for Cordo. I mean, we're sort of a, we're a company, but, you know, they're looking for Rachel Taylor or they're looking for, you know, uh, Jane Davenport or Stephen King. I mean, I'm not sure there's a huge awareness from the public of a, what, you know, the name of the publisher is on a book. I mean, some publishers transcend that a little bit. I mean, we publish um, an imprint um, called Walter Foster Publishing, which is an art instruction list, very sort of beginner level art instruction. And they've been publishing for a hundred, this is their next year is their hundredth year publishing. It's pretty significant. Wow. Um, and they started out really early on publishing with Dis. They do cartoon. They did a lot of how to draw cartoon books. Walter Foster did sort of those mail. He, he did those mail in um, classes. You know, you used to sign up for those classes where you'd mail, you'd get an instruction, you do your artwork and then you'd mail it in and they'd critique it for you. It was sort of you know, pre-internet long time ago. Um, but, you know, he, they do a lot of Disney product, Disney licensing product, how to draw princesses and how to draw, you know, different types of cartoons. But they, um, I think they have a brand within their niche audience, but most publishers don't really have a brand. So we really try to work very closely with our authors to coordinate our social media with theirs. Um, you know, we do have Cordo, Cordo Instagram and Cordo YouTube's channels and all that sort of thing. But, you know, it really takes a, you know, a series of books or an, um, a line of actual books 
themselves to help us in the social media, um, you know, sort of sphere um, to use social media that way as a publisher. Um, we have a line of kids books that um, is published out of the UK called Little People, Big Dreams, which is all illustrated books for, you know, um, preschool age kids or a little older that um, tell biographies of famous people based on their childhood. Um, it's a really, it's the series, we've sold millions of copies of it. It's really amazing. Um, but that itself is a brand for us. So we really trade in social media on little people, big dreams, not so much Cordo. Yeah. So that's, you know, I think that's really how we approach it. It's amazing. I love all of this insight. Thank you. And I know um, a question I wanted to ask, because I know a lot of our listeners are super talented artists, illustrators, a lot of them write themselves, a lot of them teach if they wanted to break into the book world, whether it's through illustration or they're actually, you know, an author of the book as well, what would your advice be on how to go about it? You know, do they need an agent? Can they just approach publishers? What, what's kind of those first steps? Um, well, I think an agent is helpful in some cases. Um, you know, I think mainly, um, I think an agent is helpful, not so much in the, cre I'm not so sure it helps so much in the creative world as much as it does in some other categories, but um, I think it helps mainly just with um, just because agents know how to negotiate contracts and they know that part of it, the sort of legal part of it. So I think that's helpful for creatives who maybe are a little bit nervous about that part of it. Um, you know, most publishers contracts in this in the categories we publish in are pretty straightforward. Um, so there's not it's not overly complicated, but I know it's a little nerve wracking for some people. Um, but I would say, you know, build your your you, you have to be out there for people to find you. So you do want to have a social media platform. You do want to have, whether it's Instagram or, or YouTube videos, or even, you know, teach as much as you can. Um, you know, the publishers need to be able to find you to really, and, and they want to know that the customer base can find you and that you can connect with the customer base. So I think in this day and age, that's really important um, that you have some sort of um, quantifiable reach to your audience. Um, I also think that you need to really be authentic. I mean, we're really looking, most publishers are looking for someone who is really passionate, um, really, you know, is authentic, has an authentic voice and is really doing what they love. It's not so much for them. I mean, it's not, they want to make a career out of their art. And I think that's generally what we're looking for. We want someone that we can, you know, really, um, partner with in terms of building their, helping them build their brand and them helping us sell books. I mean, a book is never, you know, with a few exceptions, obviously certain authors make a lot of money, but you know, for a artist or a creative, it's not going to, it's not necessarily going to pay the bills to do a book. Um, it's really more of a brand extension and we can help uh, creatives find a much bigger audience um, through publishing a book, a global audience really. Um, and they, they'll make a little bit of money, you know, in royalties and that sort of thing, but it's really more about having just another branding element in your quiver of tools. So, you know, if you have an Instagram site, you're trying to make a living on being an artist or being a creative, you know, having one more brand extension is really helpful. And a book can help reach an, a whole different audience, um, for someone who wants to make a living in the creative, in the creative field. It's definitely great advice. And of course, a lot of your books get translated in different languages. So it's putting people out there 
to different parts of the world you know you might have someone who's taken say someone's online course that buys the book but someone might suppose pick up a book at say a train station and just think oh I'm going to try something different and, and that could essentially drive business and get another sale of say their e-course and, and things so yeah and um, really great great tips there now obviously Quarto produce amazing books you know this is probably a really tricky question for you but do you have a personal favorite or something that you've produced you know in any of the different kind of subjects that you do is there one that you think this has always been my standout favorite maybe for personal reasons or maybe it's a project that went really well it is the one that you that you favor sure um i actually we a, while, a number of years ago we i found this um series of books published originally by a japanese publisher um i look for other global in global markets to find you know ideas a lot of the time because sometimes you find interesting things that are not being published in the united states or in the uk or in the english-speaking world but um uh the I found a list, a little um, line of books that was originally published in Japanese and we translated it and it was called um, Illustration School. And they were, they were, I think there were four or five books in this series on subjects. One of them was called Illustration School, Cute Animals, and one was called Happy People. Um, and it was sort of before all the cute drawing kind of, Scott, you know, right now cute drawing is very very popular with the whole kawaii drawing and you know cutie animals and the all the you know lulu mayo cute cat drawings but this was sort of before on the front end of that whole trend and um we translated the series um into english and sold them globally and they sold really well for us for a long time and one of the reasons it's so close to my heart is i think it really um it was a series that really um as you said, in terms of being, you know, well, I wouldn't call it a bestseller, but it really kind of crossed over from kids to adults to all ages. It was, you know, a series that, that, you know, could appeal to such a wide demographic of people. And it was so simple and really appealing in its format and the content it offered. Um, it was really just fun. And one, one time I, the reason I really like it, because it's just a memory that sticks with me as a, as a book publisher is I was in Sydney for a for a work trip once Sydney Australia and I was you know had some downtime so I was cruising around bookstores just looking at what other people were publishing and what the market looked like and there was a little girl sitting on the floor of the kids section and she had pulled out one of the illustration school books and was flipping through it and she I was standing sort of next to her looking at other books and she turns to her father and says daddy this is the book i want to buy today and she was really excited about it and she maybe was you know oh eight or ten years old and it just that's one of the things that just makes you really happy and proud as a publisher that you see someone actually really interacting with the thing that you've created or been part of creating and you know having someone really feel connected with one of the products that you've you've um had a part in making so that that always makes me really happy about that series and it's still in print the series so it's nice i mean it's well, a little slower to check that out it sounds lovely and i can totally relate to what you're saying there you know obviously when you guys have printed books they might be someone's birthday gift christmas present you know, a housewarming gift congratulations your books are part of people's lives is in kind of the gift giving but also you know, they educate people, teach people, help people change their lives and pick up new skills. So it's, yeah, books can have such, such great impact, which, which is, is amazing. Another thing I wanted to ask you is obviously we've talked about um, 
you know, how people can kind of get into the book world. And, you know, you gave a bit of advice on that. A lot of our audience are naturally illustrators and more of designers. Some are writers as well, but some are more about, you know, the illustration. And I know a lot of publishers commission, say, illustrators separate to go alongside, say, someone else's words. How does it work with Quarto? I know you have an artwork team as well. Do you commission illustrators? How would someone go about maybe being considered by Quarto? Could you give us a bit of insight on that? Yeah, um, we do. Um, we obviously commission a fair amount of illustrators for our kids' books. I don't really do the kids' books, so if you want, if you wanted to have a whole session on kids' books podcast, I could introduce you to the UK um, children's book publishing team, and I'm sure they'd be happy to enlighten you. But for the adult books, we use illustration quite a bit, and we we'll, we usually find them online. Um, you know, we use some agents um, who have you know groups of illustrators that we will work with. Um, it, illustrator agents um, who have a you know a group of illustrators that they promote. Um, we look on Instagram, you know, and, you know, look for stuff we like. We sort of keep files of illustration that we like, and then we'll reach out to people to see if we can work with them. Um, you know, people send us their portfolios, so we're always paying attention to that. So it's sort of a lot of different ways that we find people, but um, mostly through illustrator agents, probably looking online, just searching, you know, searching Instagram, looking at, you know, illustration uh collectives, illustrator collectives, um, just sort of having the, our art team be out there. But we 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 commission all of our um, photography and illustration for our books out of house. So we don't do any of it internally. And most of our design as well. So our designers are mostly freelance designers who we work with. Um, so we're always looking for new talent and people who want to work in on, on books. So it's not, again, it's not the most lucrative area of graphic design, but it's definitely something that designers like to work on for the most part um and we are always looking for new talent so send, tell everyone to send their send their illustrations to us is there um is there a dedicated section on the website or a certain email address if some of our audience are getting excited now listening to this conversation they're thinking oh, i've got these illustrations that i also will love obviously we don't want to overwhelm you what's what's the best way is it like a generic email or sure i think on our website i can follow up with you on that i think we have sort of contact points on our website for illustrators and um and i will also um ask my creative director if she's open to just sharing her email I should ask her first before yeah, no, I do of course, that. Of course, thank you. <laughs> but I can follow up with you yeah. after and make sure but I do think if you go on cordo cordo.com um you can probably find you know the emails to send it'll probably have a list of things for different types of people who want to submit stuff thank you that's amazing and obviously we'll put out the information with the podcast as well um, to our audience and one thing I want to ask you as well because you touched on finding people through Instagram do you often use um, hashtags do you look at a certain hashtag to find your artists and illustrators and writers sure yep um, so we're um, I, I'm not the one who's actually doing that but I'm sure that they are um, that my design team is constantly sort of using different ways to search through illustration through hashtags and different types of styles and what people illustrate um, through hashtags yeah it all would connect with whatever book we're trying to match someone to that's amazing I know um, I'm always encouraging our audience for social media and I always talk about the importance of Instagram particularly for visual people and artists so that's that's really great and would you say, obviously, I know you guys commission, say, illustrators, and then obviously you have authors who are writers of the book as well. 
you know, is it unusual to have someone who says, right, I want to write a nonfiction book um, or a fiction, say, kids book? I want to write the words and I also want to illustrate every inch of the life of this book. Does that ever happen? Is it common or is it unheard of? I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, it depends on the book. Obviously, when we're publishing art and craft books, um, often our authors are the same people who are creating illustrations and doing photography or creating the artwork in the books. Um, so more so on the creative side, I would say sometimes the cookbook authors shoot their own food shots and that sort of thing. Um, but generally, we're using different illustrators and the authors. But as I said, on the creative side and on the we do graphic design books for designers too. Rockport has a long history in doing books for designers. Often, um, because they're creative people, they actually want to do everything. So they'll do they'll deliver everything, including the cover design and the finished design pages. So it really ranges and it depends on the skill set of the author and what they have time to do sometimes is more the problem than them not wanting to do it. Um, sometimes, you know, books are a pretty intense project. It's a, it's not a short-term investment in your time. It does, you know, there's, there's a lot of work around it. And I think, you know, people get excited and then they realize, oh, this is actually, this is a lot of work. So sometimes they give up part of that just because they don't have time to do everything. That's great to know. It's, it's, it's wonderful to know that, you know, there's lots of possibilities you can write or you can illustrate or you can do it all. And I think that's really, really um, exciting um, for our audience to know about. So obviously you, you know, you do so many things, just reading your bio kind of made my head explode thinking, wow, how have you done all of this? Like, that's just so amazing. You do so many things and obviously work very hard and are very deserving of your success but how how do you juggle work and life and kind of keep organized and you know how do you take care of yourself how do you get through all of the things that you do in a day in a week in a year um well I work a lot um but that's fine I like working I'm I'm actually really enjoy what I do so it's not doesn't I mean sometimes it feels awful but that's just occasionally everyone has that experience every now and then but most of the time, I really love what I do. But I, you know, it's a balance. I mean, um, you know, we I spend a lot of time with my family and friends. I live in a pretty small town, north of Boston. So it's pretty quiet where I live. Um, I, you know, I, I walk my dog, I have a garden, I, you know, I like to, um, I do have a pretty, pretty consistent yoga practice, which I do quite, quite a lot. And I, um, I like to hike with my friends. Um, New England's a really beautiful place to do a lot of outdoor activity. So I live right by the ocean. So my friends all have boats. So we go out on boats a lot and I ski all winter long, which is a lot of fun. We have a lot of great ski mountains up here in New England. Um, so I do have a pretty active um, personal life outside of work. So I'm either, I'm pretty, my kids will say I'm never sitting down or relaxing it's very much all the time which they get irritated with because they like to sleep late and just lounge around and they're always like oh just always can't we just not do anything for two minutes but I, I like to be busy so whether it's personal time or work um I enjoy being active in both I think it's good that you've got that balance because I can imagine naturally you must work at the computer a lot and reading a lot of information and words and yeah. management and so yeah I think it's great that you you do all of all of those things and um, I'm quite new to getting into yoga but I can totally see the benefits and yeah it's, I think yeah, it's it gets a little yeah. obsessive so be yeah <laughs> yeah um and yeah and it's you know it's great obviously you know, 
for your computer a lot for your posture and just, just general health so yeah i really rate yoga too so you've literally given us oh, so much amazing kind of information today and it's been absolutely brilliant but i just wanted to ask a couple of um last things really and um, do you kind of have like a life motto and um, is there something that you go by i don't have a life motto but i have you know um I sort of, I, you know, I think I, I live in a way where I, um, I try to do what I love um, and spend time doing what I love. Um, I think working hard is really important. And I try and tell my kids that it's not so much um, the result as much as as long as you know, you put everything into what you're trying to do. Um, and then, you know, I just try not to get too worried about stuff when it falls apart, because it's stuff doesn't always work out. And I think you have to, I'm very much about, about not dwelling in, you know, the history of what happened, but always thinking about, I mean, I think history, uh, what you've done informs what you're going to do, but it shouldn't um, control what you what you want to do. And I think that's sort of the motto. I mean, I think um, I have two boys who are in university right now and I've, you know, pretty much always told them as long as they commit and do the work and, um, and follow, you know, do what they love and do it well and success will follow from that. Um, you know, I think that's really important for people. I think, you know, um, trying to be successful, but not doing something that you love, you're never going to be good at it or you're never ultimately not going to enjoy it or, you know, find happiness in it. So I think as long as you're focusing on the things that you really enjoy and love doing, you're going to be good at it and you're going to succeed. Um, and, you know, levels of success are measured all differently by different people in different places. So, um, you know, I think, um, I think that would be my advice, um, you know, to, to sort of lean in and move forward and, and do, do, do the work you need to do to succeed at what you love. I love that. That's great advice. And obviously going on about um, all of the different things that we've discussed today, you know, our audience are keen writers, illustrators. Are there any kind of um, words of wisdom that you want to end this podcast with about, you know, if someone is thinking, oh, I'm itching to get into the book world, is there, is there like a few kind of words that you would you would give someone advice on? Yeah, I would say just network a lot. Um, don't get discouraged um, and be yourself, be authentically yourself. Um, keep trying because, you know, you never, you think about, you know, JK Rowling, she got rejected by, you know, however many publishers before she got published. I mean, that's an amazing success story. But, um, you know, I think just, you know, is I think as long as you're really doing your thing and you really believe in what you're doing um and you uh, you know i think networking helps a lot get to know as many people as you can because somebody's going to help you out to get where you want to go um as long as they believe in in what you're doing and you believe in what you're doing so um you know i think i think it that would be really my advice for anybody is just enjoy it and the 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 things that you want will follow that's amazing. I love that. And um, and just to end the podcast with, um, where can we find you guys on social media, website? I know you have many kind of divisions, which is kind of the best. Sure. Um, Cordo.com um, is always out there. Um, we have a, a e-commerce site called Cordonose.com where you can see all of our books. Um, and then for the creatives, we have a, um, a hashtag called Cordo creates hashtag Cordo creates or at Cordo creates, which you can 
um, use to see what's happening on the creative side of our business and communicate with us. So that's amazing. I know a lot of our listeners are going to feel really excited today. And I know many of them have your books anyway, and I'm sure they're going to want to buy a lot more books as well. So you've been absolutely brilliant, Winnie. I, I feel like I've learned a lot from you today as well. So I, I want to thank you so much for your time and just keep doing the amazing things that you're doing. And a quarter is so great. Well, thank you too. And I'm so looking forward to our project together. It's going to be a lot yes, of fun. Definitely. Yes, year really or so. Too. so, yeah, okay. thank you so much. And then, um, yeah, great. Thank you. So, that's all for today. You have been listening to the Make It in Design podcast. And we'll be back soon with more inspiring stories from working designers and other creative people. Until then, check out our free courses and design resources at makeitindesign.com to help you move forward in your own creative journey. Or come and follow us on Instagram at Make It In Design for daily colour and pattern inspiration. And don't forget to subscribe to the Make It In Design podcast so you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you again soon.